0: Hello and welcome to In a Good Place, the well-being and personal development podcast from Hello, hosted by me, Rosie Nixon. It's great to have you here. In each episode, I'll be chatting to an inspirational personality, and for this, our second season, I'm also going to talk to our guests about key moments when their lives moved into a new chapter. I'm calling this a reset, and it's a topic that gets me really excited. Since we launched this podcast, I've been on my own reset journey. I've refashioned my working life, going from editor-in-chief to the role of creative brand ambassador at Hello, allowing myself more time for my family and for my other passion, writing books. It has given me a new lease of life. So I thought this would be a really interesting area to dive into with my guests. So I've asked them to come to the recording with two reset moments for us to discuss as part of the chat. At the end of each conversation, there will be some takeaways, and I guarantee you will feel one step closer to creating the life you want to wake up to. I am thrilled that Gold Collagen are our sponsors for this episode. I've been taking the number one liquid supplement, Gold Collagen Forte Plus, for about the last six months, so I can speak from personal experience that these miniature glass bottles packed with collagen, vitamins, minerals, and antioxidants are a game changer for midlifers like me. My skin feels firmer and looks more radiant, my hair is stronger and glossier, plus it supports hormonal balance, which has become an increasing area of importance for me. The Gold Collagen Formula uses the highest quality ingredients. It is clinically tested and free from sugars, gluten, lactose, and preservatives. And I promise you, it does taste delicious. It's no wonder that Gold Collagen has been the number one selling collagen supplements brand in boots since 2012. Just one shot a day fits easily into my morning routine. I'm so pleased that I discovered this brand so I wanted you to all know about it too. So thank you, Gold Collagen. My guest this week is a woman whose name you will all be familiar with. She is the incredible Dame Kelly Holmes. Dame Kelly began her career in the British Army, where she is now an honorary colonel, and she went on to become one of the most popular athletes this country has ever produced. She is a double Olympic champion and was awarded her damehood in 2005. After retiring from sport, she has become a very busy motivational speaker and a loose women presenter, amongst other things. She also set up the Dame Kelly Holmes Trust to help disadvantaged young people get their lives back on track. In early last year, Kelly made the brave decision to come out as a gay woman, and in a special documentary, Kelly Holmes, Being Me, she opened up about her sexuality and discussed the impact that keeping it a secret had had on her mental health. If you haven't seen it yet, I urge you to look it up, it's extremely moving and honest. Kelly is one of the most approachable and warm people you could meet, and I'm delighted she's joined me today. Welcome to the podcast, Dane Kelly.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much. Shall I call you Dame throughout? No. <laughs> Do we drop the Dame? We drop the Dame, yeah, but it's but... there. It's very important. <laughs>
0: so I'm going to kick off with the question that I ask all our guests Are you in a good
1: place? I am. And it's so nice to actually say it and be able to say it honestly it's very easy isn't it for most people to say "Yeah, everything's good and brush over wow. the reality but no I'm in a really good place thank you good glad to hear it and you certainly look it she's looking radiant through my screen at the moment I was just commenting on
0: your hair I just <laughs> love this style on you with the blonde quiff
1: and the shave wow. the like at the side it's just super cool we we are radiating style and happiness which is great to see when I ask that question does in a good place or do you first think of mental health or physical health um I just think about it as a kind of overall person like how do I feel about myself and of course I think both are very much entwined a lot of the times you kind of go through life maybe you know if you're into fitness and sport and you kind of focus on your physical well-being being what makes you happy and If you're injured or ill or, you know, you entered a 5K or math and you couldn't do it, you suddenly, like, doubt yourself and feel frustrated. And then on the other side of it, you know, sometimes we're not recognising our feelings and our thoughts and how that's acted. But I also think some of them are combined as well. Yeah, you're so right. Definitely sort of physical health plays so much into our mental health. Do you have any daily
0: rituals that help keep you in a good place?
1: I think... I've recognised the need to step back, which I never did before. I am like yourself and probably so many other people being successful. Like I literally, I'll just keep going, you know, driving, 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 always thinking of the next thing, always thinking that I can do better. And whilst I still feel that, I've realised over the past few years or very few years that um, I have to take that step back in my mindset so I have to allow myself to have space, allow myself to breathe, allow myself to kind of not have to keep driving. And that's taken a lot for me and my personality to contend with. It's hard to pull back, but I know that I've been very detrimental to my mental health by not doing that in the past. So it's really important to me that I do that now and I make conscious decisions to take a day off and it be non-negoti- non-negotiable or meditate a little bit even if it's just for a little bit of time or go in my bath and put my you know music on and my candles and again that not be negotiable.
0: That's really good isn't it sometimes the person that we're least
1: compassionate to can be ourselves. Yeah more than often that's the case I think. And what are your sort of warning signs that mean Kelly you need to slow down a bit? Yeah just when I'm getting wound up in my st- head, <laughs> you know getting stressed or feeling anxious or irritable, you know, when you're just like, everything winds you up. <laughs> and it could be in the past trivial things, but sometimes, you know, you just kind of let anything pile up on top of you. And I just get, yeah, in myself a bit, let's say rattled with myself. I start sort of complaining to myself that I haven't done something right or I've forgotten to do something or haven't got time to clean my house or, you know, I kind of get so engrossed with the day-to-day doing and the kind of blinkered here's what I've got to do today this time and when and I just get on with it and try and do it well and then sometimes I think hold on I've literally not had time to breathe I literally haven't just taken a step back or you know actually seen the here and now and really conscious about being more in the present I don't think I've really done that most of my life really being in the present moment other than when I used to train and race and have to (laughs) have to be in that moment to compete well Outside of that, I definitely haven't. And so I think I, I kind of steer in towards recognizing the signs of that anxiety and pressure and stress that I pile on myself sometimes. Did you have to train yourself to be present? Oh, for sure. Um, and not so much train myself, but recognize the need, which I think, you know, when you have big impacts in your life, and I've had quite a few uh, in the past sort of, six years, really, um, some really big impacts. I suppose you don't always recognise the toll that they take because you're dealing with the moment, you're dealing with the issues. Then you go through and then it's only in the amount in time that you realise the impact. Kind of your confidence goes, your anxiety or stress may be more prevalent. You kind of feel detached from the things that you used to find exciting. You don't feel happy as much. And I think that that's important. So that I decided that, having gone through some of the bigger parts of my life that I need to think of the here and now a little bit more because a lot of things for me have taken time and that time's taken toll and also instant kind of pressures like my mother passing away and COVID periods and breakdowns and burnout and they're all massive parts Yeah, and you're just dealing with them at the time rather than reflecting on them after. So true. It seems sort of the simplest, but also one of the most hard things to do sometimes,
0: isn't it? To just be in that moment, be present. I was also
1: reading about perimenopause. I certainly finding some of those symptoms affecting me and my good place on a day-to-day basis. And you
0: have spoken about struggling with some of those symptoms. How do you
1: manage that? Yeah, it's really bizarre, isn't it? Because like I'm so against the ageing process. person. I hate every person that's coming now. Like, like, <laughs> yeah. like yeah. I be is old. Like, it's, it's bizarre, crazy. isn't it? I mean, yeah. we could just stop. We need to jump off. <laughs> you know, and I feel privileged to have my life because let's face let it, we know so many people have gone before us, and you just had a birthday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> First birthday in 23 years I've actually celebrated because I thought, might bring it on. Yeah, but <laughs> like, literally, I don't. I ignore them. Yeah. So because of that, I'm in denial of age and anything that happens with it. And it's only when you sort of look at different circumstances, and I think sometimes, unfortunately, at certain ages, there's a lot of circumstances that are entwined. So when you talk about stress and anxiety and feeling glow and lack of energy that can definitely be towards your mental health and the situations happen but also as we know and we're hearing very much so perimenopause and menopause will exacerbate some of those issues so i was in a bit of a turmoil where i was certainly knowing about my mental health having gone through a lot of problems over the years past 20 years but the main signs I realized were associated to my physical well-being because I've always been in tune with my body. You know, I've had many injuries as an athlete, but they're injuries that you can account for and then you go through a process, you get them right and you get back running. And it's part and parcel of being an elite international athlete, pushing your body to the absolute extreme. But when I go in the gym now and I'm like, how can I not do, I don't know, like I'm I was ex military PTI, you know what I mean? I could do chin ups, I can press up good all, I could do it all. I've always I've been able to. When I go in the gym and I'm picking up weights and I'm thinking something isn't right, like my general strength has just gone. The pains that I get in my arms and my wrists, you know, I'm doing press ups and I'm like, I'm just in pain, like literally. And I'm thinking, I do not like it, I hate it. And it gets me down because I, see that decline and I'm also then thinking like definitely lethargic you know kind of that brain fog thing sometimes I'm thinking about things and I just think what is wrong with me when did you first notice the symptoms probably not that long ago because I remember listening to people because like a lot of my friends are up the same age and I'm like well, you've you got them for me because of course I'm 39 still <laughs> uh, uh, you know it's always this joke that I'm the go get the fitter one the this this you know I am in my uh, friendship group and then I just thinking you know I'm hearing what people are saying and what they're feeling and you know I've gone through the other side of being you know kind of started because of covid and stuff so again like i say lots of things for me have been so entwined over the past few years i can't really separate everything mm-hmm. so the physical a- aspects are the ones that i was noticing first my lack of strength like i say just the pains i'm getting the back problems my tendons like my muscles i can feel that something's happened to me and then it was more around the whole um you know i've I've gone through anxiety and stress, but it's different. It's almost like nothing sets it off and you kind of, you just get nervous about things that are no, no, there's no worry about anything. It's just like a sudden peace. And I didn't really get all the hot sweats and things. And then last year I didn't have a peer for six months and I went, so I thought so I spoke to this doctor and I said, what does that mean? Like, do I, is this something wrong or actually am I towards menopause? And I said, if I last a year like this. Like, does that mean I've gone through it without any problems? And I was thinking, bloody hell, this is perimenopause. This is brilliant. I actually felt at that stage quite strong, ready to go, blah, blah, blah. Six months, one day came on my period. I was like, I'm not happy. Like literally not Mm. happy. Now they're telling me, no, you have to be, and I had no idea. Like I said, I I was so far away from even thinking about what this means to a woman. When they said to me, no, you have to go a whole year about a period. I'm like, I had six months without one. How can I come up now? And so you end up fresh lifting. I'm like, well, what does it actually mean? So I started looking into it and, you know, you have all these different podcasts and people on Instagram now being very, very open and you start to learn and listen. And I'm thinking, we must be going through it then. And I just didn't really know that. And then probably six or seven months ago, I was starting. It was the body pains for me. Yeah. Like, Pains I get in my wrists and my hands and my arms and stuff. It's horrible. It really that is, is so interesting. I think you're right that it did combine with, you know, COVID, other stresses and strains that midlife women are going through, perhaps looking after parents, situations within work and life. It all yeah. feels like a jumble and it is still a taboo for many women. So how yeah. did you get the help that you needed for joints and things like that? Are there supplements that you take? Yeah, so I'm still sort of trying to work it out really because I was against when they were saying about HRT because I think because of being an athlete, I've always been against taking any supplementation anyway. It's in there, like it's instilled. And of course, HRT is just to get your body to a normal level. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I, again, had a complex relationship with, I don't want to take anything, you know what I mean? What yeah. does that mean? I feel like sport. And then it was like, hold on a minute, you got to live. <laughs> you got to actually... Me. and then i realized the kind of detrimental effects of low prostitution and um uh estrogen and realized like god you know you've got a function you know so i need to do something about it so i spoke to a doctor and had the blood test and you know she was going you're at zero and everything no wonder you feel? and i was like oh and um i was like what does that mean because i'm really anti-taking tablets she said but you need to take something because mood swings will be affected by everything being low it'd be mood swings strength power kind of just functioning and i was like so if it's just about functioning normally okay i'll get it so i started taking like the tablet and the gel but yeah. then i was still getting body pains and things i was like well is this is work like how do we how do people know that you as an individual need a b c d like wow. who's actually saying that it's kind of guesswork isn't it really? It's not a one-size-fits-all at all was no it that's important for women to know that it's not so you could get advice and you get support and you try something else but you might need something else so i was like Mega freeze somebody said to me take a Mega free and then somebody says collagen and whatever and i thought i don't want to take them all at once because otherwise how do i know what works because if you just pile yourself with all of these supplements how do I know what actually one work and what one's kind of is no need? So I started, I talked to like a nutrition doctor who's a PT and she's just, a, you know, got become a friend. And she said, why don't you try Amiga-free? But have it for like a solid month, do it properly, don't miss a day, go for it. And yeah, I think it started to help. It started to kind of alleviate some of those problems that I thought and then vitamins and take vitamin D and just sort of looking after myself a little bit more. Like I say, I don't think I've really got it right because I'm still, I go back to getting pains and I suppose the main thing for me and the biggest advice I had and actually it comes from one, when I was an athlete and a PTI and two, when I'm listening and, and looking at the sort of science around it is weight training for women is really important. Now, there's always been a taboo about weight training for women because women used to go, Oh, I don't want to look and I don't want to look muscular. Well, no disrespect to people listening. Most people will never, ever get muscular as a woman, ever. I can't believe <laughs> you're saying that to me. <laughs> I'm sorry. Most people won't. What it will do is you up. <laughs> and it's, it's never can't... been one of my major worries, I have to say. <laughs> exactly. And most women, like, you know, suddenly think they're going to turn into a bodybuilder. Well, I am sorry. Look at what a bodybuilder does to get their bodies. And you're going to be at 0.9, 10th of a second, yeah, kg a... max. You know what I mean? So the whole point is that what, what is the benefit? Well, the benefit is alleviating some of those functions that are actually being suppressed. So uh, your strength, maintaining the strength in your um, ligaments, tendons, muscles osteoporosis is something that can be detrimental to people and the only way that you avoid osteoporosis whether you're 30 or 80 is impact on the body actual impact through your body it's the only way so you've got to do something where it is impact and then weight training as well is helping with balance and form and stability and all the things that actually we are losing because of our strength going so I got back into doing my weight training, and that has really helped. And I just make sure that I'm a little bit more consistent with it, and it's definitely helping me. Mm-hmm. So that's great. So you're kind of managing your symptoms at the moment through exercise, diet, yep. and some supplements, the omega 3. Yeah. And, you know, just, I don't know what works. You know, no. I just have, at the end of the day, we're all going to go through it. Yeah. And it's about managing it. I don't mm-hmm. think there's any not rocket science and there's certainly not something that's amazing cure but what is great is when you start communicating because and conversation because of course I started talking about it it was just an ad hoc comment the other day and it went and something else said about it but so many people who are working in the space have come forward and I'm going to make sure I contact them all because I think it's really important that you know not just for me but if I um. Uh, having the privilege of people coming to me and say oh have you tried abc well i'm willing to try them because then i can then articulate that out to people and say look i tried this it seems to work why didn't you give it a go and i wouldn't have known about any of these had i not said anything so it's about communicating people talking being honest and open and it is part of life you know i don't want to be this age i am i'm privileged to be this age i'm going to have to get through it Totally. Yeah, it does feel like, you know, the floodgates have just
0: opened with regards <laughs> to menopause and perimenopause. And it's great yeah. that the information is there. And if you
1: are suffering, then talk to somebody, you know, ask, book an appointment with a menopause expert in your doctors. Don't Google, <laughs> it could scare you. But you know, there are some really great trusted forums out there for you to yeah. get the right information. Now, we must move on to your reset moments because I've been thinking a lot about this concept of resetting in life. And this is when life sort of moves into a new
0: chapter. And Sometimes it can be because a situation has been put on to us, one that we didn't
1: want to happen, but we've had to find a way to deal with it. Other times, reset moments could be of our own orchestrating. And I think it's really interesting how a positive mindset plays into reset moments as well. The idea of positive psychology, does that concept resonate with you, Kelly? Oh, absolutely. I'd probably say originally for me, it was very prevalent in my athletics career because when I had really bad injuries and, you know, I'm one of the world's best and, you know, my hopes and ambitions were, you know, to go and win a major championship. And every time I got injured, the initial effect of that was very negative on me. You know, disappointment, not good enough. Everything's going wrong. And what I used to have to do is change the narrative to go, well, what did I get out of it? So if I got a bronze medal and yet I've been ill for most of the year and I still got to the championships and I still got a bronze medal, it's almost like, look, (laughs) you know, at the end of the day, I might have got nothing. The same as like first ever Olympic games in Atlanta, I was 26 years old. And, you know, I was one of the best in the world, I was favorite to possibly win one of the races. And I went over there, basically had a pain in my shin. The doctors scammed me when I went to our holding camp in Tallahassee and said, you've got a stress fracture, you've got to go home. And I was like, there's no way I can go home. Like, I, what, if, what if I never get to Olympic Games again? Like, what's the options? And they're saying, well, you can run, but you might risk breaking your leg completely. And I said, well, I'll take that because at least I'll know. Because if only for me is like, if only he's way late, you know. Yeah. And um, anyway, I ran in that race. I got to the heat semi and I got to the final. Emotionally and physically, I was in pain. But I got to that final and I got picked on the line into fourth in the Olympic final, the 800 metres. And that initial, again, disappointment from a sports person, when you come fourth, it's nothing worse. It's better off coming fifth, not even getting into the final. Oh. <laughs> you know, it's like a tenth of a second. Oh. Um, and again, I was sort of really distraught and I'm hopping home. I'm going back on the flight and crutches and a cast and I'm out now for six weeks and I got home and you know my family and friends and just me thinking how did I come forth running with a stress factor in an Olympic final like surely I'm good Yeah. You know, it was changing the narrative and so oh. due to my career I had to keep re- resetting yeah to get to where I got unfortunately there was so many resets but the last reset after oh. a really bad period of time uh, made all the difference and I um. think during my career post sport and obviously in later years resets have been made you know Well you're right as a sports person you are perhaps sort of conditioned to have to deal with those reset moments perhaps more often than
0: many of the rest of us but sometimes things happen in life that do throw a curveball that
1: can hit you really hard and your Hush. first reset moment you've given to me in advance was losing your dear mum Pam to cancer in 2017. Tell me about that. Yeah, I mean, like anyone that's experienced loss, you know, it's just the worst, worst feeling in in your life when someone's so close to you. My mum was diagnosed with myeloma, which is cancer of the blood and the bone. It was incurable but treatable. It was at the time, that during that time, that i probably seen more of her strength of character than ever in my whole life with her, you know. Uh, we were so different, I'm so driven and bullish, and she's sort of like, oh, you, <laughs> you know, but at that time, she really fought to try and get back better. And uh, when the period of time when she just went down and, and passed away, it literally was like my heart had ripped. I didn't deal with it very well, if I'm honest. I really struggled with the bereavement. I just became the police. I couldn't go out. I literally couldn't function. Like, I literally could not function. And um, the day of her funeral was when I got my first undercut in my hair because I felt like in life I'd been conforming so much because of other circumstances. I didn't know how to break free from that conforming. I couldn't speak about it. And so I just wanted to do an action that was personal to me. And that was me taking control of me for once. And that was a simple thing like me making a decision that I can cut my hair and I don't care what people think of it. That was my first element of control. But it was mainly because she hasn't got a choice in life she's never gonna make choices and I'm living but not living so I decided and that was a reset and then after the funeral it made me just realize that you know got to start to think more about myself and that but you know and it still takes a while sometimes to action that doesn't it were you able to access help at that time I'd never accessed help for anything because I was always so worried about exposing myself as an individual in any circumstance so I never spoke to anybody about any of my mental health problems up until very recently and before I did my documentary so I say no to help you know at that time my family were around and knew how bad it was and I I can't say I took it worse than my brothers and sisters but I am probably a little bit more emotional and struggle a lot with dealing with things so I think I, I definitely dealt with her death for different to them because she had me when she was 17 and I'm a lot older than siblings so we have a different connection so they were around a lot and I did need them I really needed them and I actually told my friends that I need you around me at this moment and they did so that was probably the first time that I was actually not honest I was honest with them because basically in 2005 when I wrote my first documentary was the first time I spoke about my mental health problems and none of my family knew what I was struggling with and I always vowed after that that I would tell my friends and family when I needed help. So over the years, when I've been struggling, I've always confided in a friend or family to tell them I needed help. So I roll on to two seventeen. Of course, by then, it was my friends and family that would know a lot of what was going on. And yeah. I just to talk to them. And I think it's important for anybody who's struggling in anything of life actually to talk. It's a, The best form of help is to communicate. Yeah. It's that first step, isn't it, often of how to reach out and to whom? I mean, it is, but I think we all have people around us, whether that's a friend, a colleague, a sibling, a family member. We all actually have someone, if we really think about it, and we said, if they didn't know about this and they found out, how would they feel? Well, I think that a lot of people would feel so sad that you couldn't confide in them. So I always think like that now. And for me, it's not necessarily who do I can find them, but, you know, I've got friends, good friends, really get them all my life you know yeah. I've got a great network of people around me and so if I need to speak to one of those friends I'll always call them and say, yeah. it's like you know I've been working so damn hard and it was that point where I just thought hold on a minute I keep saying to my take a day off so I actually messaged one of my group of friends said I need some friend time can we just go out and go for a yeah. walk and go for lunch and so we all met up you know these friends are friends with day one at school you know I'm a PE teacher we've all met up we went for a lovely walk You know, life's lunch, come back. I felt so good after I took control of that decision to tell them I needed support I needed friend time and it was brilliant. Well, connection is just so important, isn't it? We all need that to feel that we belong and that we're appreciated and valued. Uh, what other factors
0: sort of helped you to heal with regards to losing your mum? I mean, I know that grief never leaves us although it takes time, you know, to reach a
1: place of acceptance. What factors have helped you in getting to that place? Time. There's no amount of time that you can tell anyone that they get over it, but time allows you to deal with your feelings and understand them more and to reflect on how you feel and deal with it a little bit more. So certainly time, I don't think I've ever really got over that loss, because I miss her every day, you know, Yeah, and so, I don't think you get over it, I generally, genuinely miss her every day, but, um, yeah, you just move on, life carries on, because you have to, you know, when other people's lives are with us, you need to make the most of yours, because you don't know what's out in the corner, yeah. do you? Do you have, well, like, a bench, is there a bench by a lake that you go so to, yeah. to remember your mum? Yeah, so, the other thing we did was, um, she used to love a lake. Down in Kent, where I'm from, and I uh, got a bench put there, like looking over his leg. It's wonderful, and it's really a lovely place just to go at different times a year. You know, obviously in birthdays, but other significant times a year. Plus, I run round there, and you just sit and have a chat. <laughs> the best thing I can also advise people, if anyone might take my advice, is to chat with people before they pass away if you're fortunate enough to have that time. Because what I do know, and the one thing that really helped me deal with after the funeral was that I gave her what she wanted she didn't want a wooden box she said to come back and haunt me she wanted a, a wicker casket <laughs> and uh, you know a wicker casket she didn't want to be buried she had certain songs that she really liked and I had those hard but really fruitful conversations yeah. because I know that that funeral was exactly what she would have wanted right. and then you know cremated and then put her in places where I knew she really wanted to get to and never got to as a family we'd go to these four different locations and you know we've been back to those places as well and it's just amazing to feel like you're still connected somewhere when you go to you know she would have wanted to be that's a really good tip yeah very difficult conversation to have but one that can be so useful was nature a healing force for you you mentioned running around that lake yeah for sure I think it is anyway I think I've always been a runner but I felt some form of peace that just walking you know walking and I'm lucky I live in the countryside so hearing the birds and you know kind of sometimes I go, I go out for a run now not for any big gain or you know to be good for a race I just go out now because I'm one because I can and two because sometimes it's just so nice to switch off you know I'm on the pass the you know the fields and smelling the manure and you see the, you know, the sheep in the field and you hear the birds and I love it. Like, I literally love it. I think it's a good grounding for people or nature. You now, they always yeah. say trees and environments are really important. And I don't think we respect that enough. Yeah, you're so right. It can be such a quick and simple and free way
0: to reset a day, can't it? If you're in a fog, just go out for a walk. It always makes you feel better.
1: Yeah. And if the weather that we've had atrocious weather this winter, even if you can't get out and stuff, you know. There's other things that I felt as is like taking just five or 10 minutes just to chill on your own, not have Uh your phone, watch telly, not speak to anyone else, not take the dog out, not sort the kids out. Do something like literally just for you because we in life do so many things for other people and we forget us. So I've learned to kind of just take me time. Yeah. Yeah. It's not vanity. I often say it's action sanity looking after yourself. (laughs) Taking that me time. Would your mum be proud of you now? Yeah, I feel I feel like I mean I don't live with regrets. I just feel like I w- sometimes I wish things had been different. But one I suppose one thing is yeah I regret that she hasn't seen me now. Like in the past ten months after doing my documentary, um, you know she always said to me like I should live my life. Don't worry about other people. And I couldn't. The one thing that I feel really gutted about is that she can't see Miss Kelly Owens. Yeah, you know, all the things I've done, places I've gone, the people I've met, the situations I've been in, the awards I've won, like literally you know, I just wish she could see this side of me, the side that she always wanted. Yeah. I think she'd be very proud indeed. So your second reset moment was making your
0: documentary, Kelly Holmes Being Me. So why did you decide to make it?
1: Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> And it was brilliant. I have to say, I said it at the beginning, it's such a good documentary and you feel you're you're so anxious at the beginning about embarking on this journey. Some of the people that you meet and that you speak to and just the journey that you go on during the course of the documentary is just sort of humbling and brilliant to watch and to see. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, I mean, it was a really hard decision to do it in in one way because I didn't know how to do the doc, Um, or if I'd get the chance, but on this other side, it was a need. So the reason why I did the documentary and why I wasn't able to ever speak about being a gay woman is because I served in the military, and during that time, it was against the law to be gay, or at that time, LGB and LGBT, so it was against the law. What some people I'd heard sort of questioned, since the doc said well you know if you knew it was against the law why did you join when I didn't know I was gay before I joined, so that's that's the opposite to that yeah. one yeah plain and simple anyway so because of that ban it put a real fear into me that I could never talk about it post coming out of the military because the ban was still in place and then I was already an international world-class athlete and no one talked about being gay in sport. I didn't know anybody like literally I mean the only person I heard of towards the end of my career as now rattle over a tennis player in America. You know, I, I just had no concept and certainly oh. worrying, not a chance. Then I won two gold medals and I was absolutely fearful of the journey I took to become Olympic champion, which was not easy. Then it all just being taken away because of judgment and bigotry and whatever by me then saying that I was gay. Plus, I still was living in fear from the consequences that could be brought upon me in the military. So I went through the next period of my life, literally just, just being it, I suppose, but not, and when I say being it, I was living my life, you know, most, all my friends and family knew about me, you know, I was living the life, but when you're in the public eye, I had to put up so many barriers. So I would never, ever, part from work where I'd be invited to an event, I'd be the, probably the guest speaker at an event or it'd be a professional event where no one's going to talk about, you know, personal stuff. Other than that, I would never go out with anybody other than my friends and family. You know the narrative of, are you going away on a holiday? Yeah, with a load of mates. Blah blah blah. The narrative of, you know, if you're with your partner, oh, then my PA or my best mate. You know, you couldn't just be normal. Just no. normal. living in fear, really. Oh, I mean, I was literally living in fear. And then, basically, fast forward, my mum passed away. I think, and I've got to change. I don't know how to. Lockdown happened the narrative in my head was just going, 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 that I've got to get out, I need to free myself. I literally was losing the plot. Uh. I just cope with this constant thing. I'm seeing all these people living their life authentically. I'm seeing all these people with social media, you know, generational change, people being happy, you know, saying that they were their partner, the girlfriend, their wife, their husband, their whatever, and I'm like, how could they, like, how could they do this? Like, I, then, you know, so then I'm thinking, I want that, and I got COVID, I got Three weeks, I was really bad. I'm looking at the news, and news was just awful. Everyone's dying, and I'm thinking, God, like when I die, like all my friends and family are going to be there saying, "Isn't it a shame she couldn't live her life?" And I thought, that's my right. That's my right. Yeah, to say that. That's my right to live it. I'm not living, so I, I end can up see getting, from her um, expression getting quite angry about it. Actually, as well, it it's, was just yeah because I was you just, just so loved that here it was so in my head then that I couldn't get it out. So I submersed myself in work during lockdown and everything that I do, I'm a motivational speaker. And normally in front of thousands of people was all coming onto a computer. Because this narrative that was constantly going in my ha- head, my mental health was really deteriorating. I didn't want to go back to self-harming, which I'd been a self-harmer. The last time I self-harmed was the day my mum passed away. I didn't want to go back, but I felt myself being drawn back to the traits and I just thought, I can't do this any longer. So I got burnout because I put everything into work, literally work, 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 work. So much with this narrative going that I lost it. And I decided, I spoke to a friend. I said, I can't do this. I can't do this anymore. She said, you've got to take time off. So I was going to take three weeks off. That three weeks turned into 10 months because during that 10 minutes, I had a major breakdown. I literally lost the plot and thought if I do not do this now I don't know what's going to happen to me it was that serious uh-huh. so I then had to make a decision speak to my manager about it you know now I'm exposing myself to people I don't want to say anything to that the only way I can do it as somebody in the public life for me and the fact that I've been celebrated as an athlete people knew me I'm a person at a certain age it's like I can't just go oh I'm gay like it doesn't matter to people's language and understanding I needed to articulate it through the documentary of why. Because fear is debilitating for anybody, no matter who you are. What was the barriers to me coming out? What was the worries about it being, like I say, you know, I was a dame. I'm now colonel in the military. You know, I'm saying that I've lived against the law. I'm saying all these things. Like, I can't just say, oh, I'm gay. I needed to explain it. And so by explaining it through the documentary, I hope that people would see that, you know, people struggle, even in this day and age, because of impacts of effect their life. And it isn't just a quick whim, oh, blah, 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 just why can't you do it? It's like it affected me, like 34 years yeah. I lived in fear that like had such a detrimental effect on me as a person. It stopped me being true to myself, stopped me being happy, stopped all the things that other people take for granted. And I thought, no, I want to do it in a really considered way. And that was the chance to do it in the dock. And you certainly did it. And it will help so many people who
0: would have seen that and felt like so inspired by your bravery, Kelly. It was a massive thing that you did in opening up in that way. It also strikes me about your story that
1: timing is everything. You know, in going through back on your army days, you could be court-martialed if it was discovered that you were gay and you spoke to some people in the army who had been at that time, that woman that got sent out. Remember, and I've just gone through the whole review, which is coming out very soon, um, about the injustice through 67 to 2000 of the ban. What you have to remember, and I was part of one of the things that happened, is it's it's to the point of being raided, which is, let's just say, you get, you're so a invasive uh, you know, Rome, the perpetrators come in, they rip through everything you've got, every belonging being, they're vilifying you, they're trying to get something out of you that you don't have to give out and they're literally there in front of you. That, for me, like at 22 years old, like literally ruined everything for me. Yeah. Take that and multiply it by people having, being sexually abused, raped, bullied, beaten up, court-martialed, jailed, cut out the army through a career they wanted... That is not acceptable. And that was the life that a lot of men and women had to live yeah. years. And it's come out that it was hundreds and thousands. But on the same sense, I have a complex relationship with the military because I loved it. I loved my career. I loved being a soldier. I loved being a PGI, beast in yeah. the guys. Like I loved it. Yeah. You know, I'm privileged to be a colonel, honorary colonel, and my role's just about to change to work with the MOD because I believe that the career is brilliant and now since 2000 you have to remember when the ban was lifted they are one of the best employees by diversity and inclusion they've made changes and generational and societal change allowed that and like you say timing is right because I wouldn't have been able to do this 10 years ago no chance no chance would I've come out 10 years ago that's amazing that you're now sort of part of affecting change and making that environment
0: so much better for others that are following in your footsteps um, yeah.
1: I think also just going back to that really low point that you hit, that then sort of you needed to have the
0: 10 months off, often a reset comes about as a result of hitting a massive low that's like a thunderbolt right. sort of wake-up moment. Would you sort of
1: pinpoint that as a reset moment? Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, it was massive for me. You know, those little those steps all came together during lockdown. I think it was very clear to me that the only way for me as Kelly Holmes or Dame Kelly Holmes to continue being that person that everyone assumes was, was to release my own inner fight because I just couldn't cope with it. As much as I love the fact that people were living their life and happy, you know, I was jealous, and not to a detrimental way for other people, but I felt like I'm losing out on just being like, I want that. I I want to just live. And I just didn't feel like I was, I just wasn't happy. I just wasn't happy as a person. You know, I can be happy and I was always, you know, you see me at an event, like most of us, we go to work, we, you know, the base we want because we yeah. can And yeah. the other message to say is just because you suffer from a mental health person, it doesn't define you. It doesn't dictate who you are. You're still that person. It's just a struggle and a process that you're going through that you've got to be able to learn to deal with and to to realise that you need support. Oh. But it doesn't define you, and that's what no. I to say. You know, being gay or having mental health problems didn't stop being double Olympic champion. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I was going to be a good runner because I wanted to be a good runner, so it didn't define me. No, life and situations just didn't allow, and now I feel so different, so relieved. Mm. That that I can have these honest conversations you know I've done tons of podcasts over the years tons of interviews tons of I've done all of this but I had enough to say about my background my yeah. upbringing being in the army having mental health being olympic champion I had enough to say about going there yeah <laughs> the going there is the bit that's probably helped most people that have followed me over time well it's so often the case isn't it that going there and hitting that point then leads to a period of growth you know you've got to be on the journey yeah Yeah, for sure I think that's with everyone I mean unfortunately irrational fear which is most is fear is mostly irrational unless it's blindingly in front of you the fear of the unknown the fear of worry what other people think the the fear of um people not believing in you or you know judging you and thinking you're someone different than they portrayed you to be you know that's awful for anybody in anyone's life and so yeah. but it is mainly irrational and the whole thing is that the other side of it you realize how irrational it was and totally and <laughs> those fears are often not based on any kind of fact are they they're they, are, they are often, in some people's life they are and that's yeah. really plain to say that there are some people that are living in a daily fear for right. whatever their situation embodies them but their fear is then well what's the other side of it if I go and make this break out of it then what's going to happen whereas actually you need to make that break out so I will say you know anyone in fear of anything in their life you know really think about you as an individual you deserve to live your life you deserve to be you you deserve to have freedom and you deserve to be happy so they should be your driver yeah absolutely you're so right and also it's exhausting not being yourself it is. I think for anyone, it is. Because you you always second guess and you're always, yeah, in the word conforming for some people is right. You're always trying to just fit in. Yeah. And I feel yeah. like they're really weird because when I was a child, you know, I was so different to everyone at school. You know, I'm the only mixed race girl. I was the only sporty one. I was the only this, only this. But I used to say, well, I'm unique then because I don't want to be the same as you. Yeah, you know I, mean? I just wish I had that as I went through an and thinking, I don't care that I'm not the same as you, blah, <laughs> you know? I know. I mean, it's really weird because as a child, I was like, I don't care I'm not the same. I don't want to look like you. The potential situations I could have been in, being a mixed-race child in a village, you know, at school and growing up, I could have been so the opposite way and thought that everything was wrong about me and everyone's looking at me and everyone's been negative. But I flipped it so quickly as a youngster to be like, I don't care. I don't want to be the same. That like, I had control. I think as an adult, i lost control yeah. somewhere. Other people's external impacts on me. It wasn't just mine. And I think that's the difference as well. When you're fearful of something and you're fearful because you are putting yourself in that situation, it's sometimes different to being fearful because other people's external impacts on you fear. Yeah. So, me, you know, again, they're slightly different in the approach to how you look at your situation and how you can maybe deal with it. Yeah, but then that little girl came back, you know, she came sure. back and she conquered as an old girl. Because oh, look. look at you now, yeah, what you've done really <laughs> is truly courageous. Um, your story, you know, speaks to every youngster in sport and every girl growing up sort of feeling that
0: they're different or in an environment where they don't feel they can be their authentic self. You know, your story
1: talks directly to them. Gosh, we've covered so much today. So I just wanted to ask you, um, what are your sort of true building blocks with
0: everything that you know and all of the experience that you've got? What are your true building blocks
1: to being in a good place? So for mental wellness, I would probably go back to saying, like, take control of you as an individual. So you, you matter, So I think I matter. I would say that I am very conscious of being in the present and being very aware of my environment and how it makes me feel and not going down to feeling bad again. So whatever I think, I'm thinking, no, I take control. to put myself in a position to feel in control and not out of it. And that's on the mental health. I think that fitness and lifestyle and just moving and being, again, is a really big impact on you as an individual. So... You know, walking, running, doing gym, whatever. Just, again, thinking of you from a physical point of view is really important. And that's what I do. Also, I value my friendships and friends. And I'll always communicate effectively with them. Because I think you should. I think everyone needs someone to talk to. And I also think that when I need help, I reach out to professionals. And that's both for my health and my mental health. I never did that before. I never did it for my mental health because I was scared of being outed by a freaking psychologist. I mean, that's the rational fear I had. Whereas now it's like, okay, I've got somebody. I know she's cool and she's helped me a lot and I'll go back to her when I need to. So, yeah, that's brilliant. And finally, what small win makes you happiest? What small win? Oh my yeah. God. Oh, Anything that includes touching my friends and beating them. It's literally... Oh, paddleboarding! boarding. So are you doing paddle- that pretty well. I bet you're the best at everything. No, I'm really not. <laughs> I'm such a wimp. I bet here. you are when it comes to sporting things. I'm only good at the things I put myself into. So, okay, yeah. You're very controlled about only being present when it's something you want to do. <laughs> that's for, yeah, absolute reason because I am so like I am a whimper. over it. I'm like there's so many things that I have so much anxiety about I just didn't put myself forward to it but the biggest wins is against my nieces and nephews because whatever I'm doing with them they're going down I'm not going to get to the point where I'm too old to do anything better than yeah. this <laughs> the competitive edge never stops. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh Kelly, thank you so much. Your story is just so inspiring.
1: There was so much there that we covered that I think people are really going to get something from. So I really appreciate you talking to me today. Thank you so much. Thank you, Rosie.
0: Kelly gave such an honest interview there. I absolutely loved talking to her and there were a number of takeaways, but I think perhaps my top three would be being present. Number one, Kelly talked about being in the moment and the power of not projecting too far ahead and that's something that I'm going to really try to take on board. Number two, with regard to perimenopause, to remember that no one size fits all. For Kelly, weight training and taking supplements has really helped. HRT has been less of a help for her but it's very much a help for me so I think the outcome here is to get the support that you need recognize the symptoms and remember that no one size fits all help is out there and number three connection I loved it when Kelly talked about having friend time and the fact that we all have someone to reach out to Her go to of spending time with close friends because sometimes laughter and a break from the norm with people who know you really well is just what we need to put us in a good place. If you enjoyed this episode, please do share it with your friends, and I'd be so grateful if you could leave us a rating or a review. Don't forget to sign up to the In a Good Place newsletter for more discussion around personal development tips, the concept of resetting for success and to share your thoughts with me. Simply visit hellomagazine.com and click on the newsletter icon at the top to register. Thanks again to Gold Collagen for sponsoring this episode. Visit www.gold-collagen.com to find out more and order your first monthly pack at a discounted price. I hope you feel the benefits as much as I do. I'll see you next time.